I kept expecting Brother Randy to take a drink of my water, and I was just going to watch very closely where he put his lips, but uh, I did not want to contaminate myself. But uh, anyway, he never took the drink, so I guess I'm safe. But uh, anyways, I liked what he did, though. Just stop and point at someone and tell them to finish. I'm going to try that at some point. I'm just going to stop midway through a sermon point and say, come finish. See how that goes. But uh, anyways, turn, if you would, to the book of Matthew tonight. The book of Matthew is where we're going to be again this evening. It's good to see each of you back tonight. Hope you had a good afternoon. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. It's good to have this time of fellowship. It's good to have this time where we can sing the praises once more to, to you because you deserve it. And it's good to just be reminded of the truths that we have uh, been reminded of. God, it's good to be in your word this evening. And I pray that you would use this time to uh, challenge us, that you would use this to help us in our walk with you. I pray this also in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that you've probably noticed this over the course of your life as you have been reading through the scripture you have noticed that so many times what we have recorded uh, for us what Christ has said or maybe different events that took place uh, it's amazing how quick you can read through them isn't it Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this but if you want to sit down and read the greatest sermon ever preached that being the sermon on the mount you can do that in about 15 minutes Uh, You know, and that's really if you take your time reading through the scripture. And I say that to say this, uh, obviously much can be said without a lot of time being given to what is being said. And I think sometimes what we are guilty of is thinking that in order for something to be good or for something to be uh, profitable, it has to be long, and that's not always the case. Sometimes something very powerful can be conveyed in a very short amount of time. And I say that for this reason tonight. Uh, We're not going to be here long, all right? We're just not, and I didn't plan it this way. I know that none of you are going to be offended, but I want you to know that just because this is probably going to be a shorter message than normal, uh, in no means am I comparing myself to the words of Christ or the teachings of Christ, like look at me, I'm just saying it's possible that we're going to get done a little bit quicker than normal, but if we'll listen to this, I think it'll be a help to us, all right? And so I want to begin with a thought this evening that I know that I have touched on in the past. I I know that we have dealt with this at at some point in the past, but I want us to think about this truth that every one of us find ourselves in different scenarios at different times And sometimes we don't always know how we're supposed to respond, right? We we find ourselves in these scenarios, and we don't know how we should respond. And I think every one of us would give testimony to this truth that there have been occasions where we have responded in the exact opposite way in which we should have responded. It wasn't intentional, it wasn't on purpose, but again, as I've said before, how many of us have ever laughed when something wasn't funny? We thought they were being funny, we thought the situation was was fitting for us to laugh, only to realize that's not what I was supposed to have done, and you can feel kind of 
Well, you can feel silly or very embarrassed in a situation like that, right? I think all of us at some point in our lives have had this kind of a moment where we got upset about something only to realize it wasn't that big of a deal and we didn't need to get that upset about it. I mean, it certainly happened in our home. It has happened with me. It has happened with Susie and the kids. Uh, it, it just seems to be something that happens to all of us. We get upset, and then we realize, oh, okay, well, it wasn't that big a deal. And then you have to say, I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I didn't mean to do that, but we've done it already. Sometimes we don't respond with enough emotion when it called for more emotion or a stronger response. So you understand what I'm getting at. You understand what I'm talking about. And, and again, many times we have done this ignorantly, accidentally, unaware of what our response should have been. But let me ask you if this has ever been true, that you have responded in the exact opposite manner in which you should have. You knew it, and you didn't care. You say, oh, no, 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 that, that, that's never happened to me. Now, come on. Have you ever seen somebody hurting and you laughed? We talked about this last week in our Sunday school class, and I'm just going to touch on it. How, how many of us have ever laughed at somebody who was hurting? Come on, we, we've done it. That really wasn't the best time to laugh, but we couldn't help it. We just went ahead and laughed anyways. They were hurting and they were groaning and they were, they were expressing the pain that they were in. And, and we just couldn't, we just didn't, I should say. We didn't force ourselves to not laugh. We, we just kept laughing. I think this has been true sometimes. It's been brought to our attention that it wasn't really that big of a deal. But because we're already upset, we just went ahead and stayed upset. I know that's happened in my life. You know, just sometimes we find ourselves in these situations. We find ourselves in, in, in these occasions where we have to respond. Sometimes we don't respond right. And again, it's out of ignorance or it's out of just an, a lack of awareness as to, as to what we should do. But sometimes we don't respond in the way that we ought because we don't want to respond in the way that we ought now, as you think about that, I want us to consider Matthew chapter 17 this evening. As you begin looking at Matthew chapter 17, the chapter begins like this. The story or the giving of, of facts as it relates to the transfiguration of Christ. So you read that and you see what happened there with Christ and Peter, James, and John. And then as you continue reading through the chapter, you come across this man who had a son who was a lunatic or possessed with a devil. And we know that Christ cast out this devil and the disciples eventually came to Christ and said, now Christ, why couldn't we do that? And Christ said that this kind only cometh but by prayer and fasting. And then after Christ spoke of that and dealt with that situation, you continue reading and Christ continued to tell them once more about how he was going to die, how he was going to, to have his life taken at the hands of those who hated him, and it caused the sorrow in their lives. And so you eventually make your way down to verse number 24, and here's what you see. First of all, you see this, that there's not a real smooth flow from verse number 23 to verse number 24. So I don't know, and, and you don't know, and really nobody can know with certainty 
as to what kind of the, the flow was in their everyday life and their progression. So you realize that there's not some flow or the flow that you would like maybe for this uh, transition into verse number 24. You also realize this is the story that we're about to look at. It's not recorded in any other Gospels. So many times, as you know, what you read in Matthew, you might read in Mark or you might read in Luke or one of the other Gospels. This particular story is not recorded in any of the other Gospels, and so it's kind of a standalone story, and there are parts of it that we're very familiar with, and yet there's an element of this story that I had never considered before, and Susie, who has grown up in church in the home of a pastor all these years, I asked her Friday night, I said, have you ever considered this part of the story? And she said, no, I guess I haven't. Now, I only say that to say this. You may be sitting here tonight, and in a few minutes, you may say what I said. Huh, I, I've never noticed that before. I've never considered that before. But you may say, I can't believe you've never noticed that, Brother Kyle. My goodness, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I missed it, okay? I'm excited about it. And you may or may not be at the conclusion of this sermon, but we're going to look at it anyways. So notice what it says in verse number 24. It says, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? So what we have here and what the text will lead us to believe is this, is that Christ and Peter are spending some time together. There doesn't seem to be any indication that the other disciples are present, at least in this situation. And so it says that they had made their way to Capernaum, and it says that when they were there, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? So whenever it speaks of those who received the tribute money, what are they talking about or what is the scripture referencing? Well, the scripture seems to be referencing this, those who were responsible for gathering the temple tax. If you go back to the Old Testament where Moses was given the law, here is what you find is that there was a tax given to all the men aged 20 and above. It was something that was required of them for the purpose of meeting the needs of the temple. And so once that was established, here's what we know. Once a good tax is put in place, that tax is never going away right? It's as true back then as it is today. So there was a temple tax that was in place and it was going to be perpetual. It was something that would be paid annually, again, by men who were 20 years and older. And the, the scholars tell us that the tax would have equaled about two days worth of a person's wage. All right, so it's not anything that would have been breaking by way of the bank. It's not anything that would have been a great burden. But nonetheless, again, you know this as well as I do, no one likes to pay taxes, not a penny more than they have to. Come on now. None of us enjoy paying taxes. So that in mind, the ones who were responsible for collecting the tribute or the temple tax they have come to Peter, and Christ is not with him at this time. And they ask this question, doth not your master pay tribute? So the question really then is this, is does your master, does Christ pay the temple tax? 
That's what they want to know. That's what they're concerned about. That is what they want to get an answer to is, does your master pay the temple tax? Some suggest, and it seems to make sense, that they were trying to catch Peter in some kind of a situation where they could use his answer against Christ. Okay, so if Peter were to say, no, he doesn't pay that, or no, we don't pay that, then they could have used that against him. But, but nonetheless, here's what we see in verse number 25. Apparently, Peter already knew how Christ responded to this temple tax. So in response to their question, doth your master pay tribute? Peter simply said this, yes. Yes, he pays his taxes. Yes, he pays what is required of him. Yes, he does what is expected of him. Now, keep in mind that as we read through these verses, here is what Peter did not have to do. He did not have to pay that tax immediately. It's not as though they were coming to him saying, hey, listen, your tax is due right now. What you owe the temple is something you have to pay right now. This was something that Peter was going to be able to pay later, that Christ would be able to pay later. It seems as though they just wanted to know what is the position of Christ as it relates to this temple tax. Does he pay it? So again, Peter said in verse number 25, yes, he pays it. And then it says... And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying. So as Peter has made his way to the house where Christ is at, it says Jesus prevented him. What does it mean whenever it says that Jesus prevented him? It just means this, that Jesus was anticipating him. All right, Christ, who knew everything, knew that Peter was on his way and Christ was anticipating him. And Christ knew what had happened because Christ is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And so Christ knew what Peter had encountered by way of those who collected the tribute. So there is Christ anticipating him. And it says that whenever Peter came, notice what it says, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Seems like an odd question, does it not? Maybe it doesn't to you. It seemed like an odd question to me. I think to an extent, according to the information we're given, that would have had to have seemed like an odd question from Peter's perspective. Why would Christ be asking me this question? But nonetheless, the question is this, okay, Peter, I want you to think of kings of the earth, the kingdoms that are established on this earth. He said, answer me this question, do they take custom or tribute? Who do they take it from? Do they take it of their own children or of strangers? So the question then is this, do kings tax their own family? Or do they take it from those outside of the kingdom? Well, Peter answers the question in verse number 26. Peter saith unto him, love strangers. And that would be true. In their day, as it's recorded, and as again the scholars suggest, the kings would never tax or make their own family pay the tribute or the customs. But what they would do is they would always collect it from the outsiders of the kingdom. So they would not tax their own family. They were exempt from it. But notice what Christ went on to say. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. The children are free from the tax. 
The children are free from the tribute or, or the, uh, again, the tax that has to be paid. Now, keep in mind, Christ knew what Peter had just dealt with. I'm sure there was a little bit more conversation than what we have recorded for us. But what is Christ saying in relation to the conversation that Peter had with those who collected the tribute or the temple tax? Well, he was saying this to Peter, hey, listen, the children are free or they are exempt from this tax that is expected to be paid. Try to follow this if you would, please. Now, I think you will, but try to follow this. Who was the temple built for? It was built for the Jews for the purpose of serving or worshiping who? Well, that would be God, right? Okay, if if you follow this, this is very simple logic then. As the temple was built for the Jews for the purpose of worshiping and serving God, now answer this question, who was Christ? He was God. Okay, so God was in the flesh in Christ. We understand as best we can the Trinity, that Christ was God. Those separate, they are the same. And so what was Christ saying to Peter? Hey, listen, as it relates to this temple tax, as it relates to this toll or this tribute, quite frankly, we're exempt from this. I really don't have to pay this in order to be right. I really don't have to give this in order to be right. And technically, because of Peter being the disciple of Christ, technically, Peter, in a sense, shouldn't have had to pay it. But here is what we know in the last part of verse number 27. Christ said this, Go thou to the sea and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast openeth his mouth, or hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. So this is the story where Christ tells Peter to go fishing, and the first fish you catch, open its mouth, there will be a coin in there, take the coin and pay our taxes and get this done. All right, so we're familiar with all this, right? Okay. Here is the part that I had never noticed before, that in this situation that Christ finds himself in, as he is dealing with Peter, Christ is going to share with Peter a very important lesson. Christ is going to explain that in this situation that we find ourselves in, this is how we're going to respond, because it seems as though Peter was struggling with having to pay the temple tax or the tribute. So notice in verse number 27 that before Christ told Peter to go fishing, he said, here is why we're paying the temple tax. He said, notwithstanding, though the children are free, from verse number 26, he said, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, Go thou to the sea and cast an hook. So what was Christ saying in verse number 27? He was saying this. Though we are free from the temple tax, we're going to go ahead and pay it for this reason. 
We don't want to be an offense. We don't want to be an offense. What does it mean to be an offense? It just means this, to be a stumbling block. To serve as something that would, to, to, to be or, or to serve as something that would be some kind of impediment to the people. Something that would block them, all right? Here is what Christ was saying is, he was saying, we're going to go ahead and pay this tax that we're not really obligated to pay because we don't want to be an offense to the Jews who expect us to pay it. Who were Christ and the disciples trying to reach? They were trying to reach the Jews. So if you think about this, here is what Christ knew. If he exerted his rights, if he exerted his authority in this situation, if he did what he was allowed to do and nobody else could make him do otherwise, here is what Christ understood. I can do it, but that'll be an offense to the very people I'm trying to reach. And if I'm an offense to the people I am trying to reach, then I am defeating my own purpose by standing for what I am allowed to do in this situation. So Peter, lest we should offend them, just pay the tax. So let me ask you, was Christ always worried about offending people? Come on now, that was a simple question. Was Christ always worried about offending people? Not at all. There were so many occasions in which Christ was not afraid to offend people whatsoever. If there was a truth that needed to be spoken, if there was a truth that needed to be declared, and he knew it was going to upset and offend people, guess what? He was still willing to declare it because Christ knew, as well as anyone could know, obviously, that sometimes you just have to stand for the truth no matter what. But he also had the wisdom to know this is not one of those situations. This is not one of those moments. This is not one of those occasions. And so here is what we're going to do. We're going to refuse to exercise our authority or our rights so as not to be an offense. Now this evening, if you think about that, I would bet that you know exactly where this message is headed. And it's okay that you know where the message is headed because we need to be reminded of this from time to time. I want us to think about this tonight that I, I would hope that all of us have a desire to have an influence on other people's lives. You know, Brother Randy mentioned in Sunday school this morning that it is our desire to see people saved. That's what Brother Randy said this, this morning in Sunday school. And, and I'm, not, I'm not arguing what he said, but I would say this, that that is not always our greatest desire. It's just not. Sometimes we have a lot of desires greater than 
our desire to, pe- to see people saved or to see people reached or, or to see people's lives changed by our influence. Sometimes we have greater desires than really influencing people in the way that we ought to want to influence them. And here's how I'll try to illustrate it tonight. In this life, you and I are going to find ourselves in so many different occasions, right? We're, we're going to find ourselves in so many different situations. And, and again, it, it should be that we are always mindful of the people that we are with and how we could influence them and how we could help them. And sometimes in order to have the influence we say we'd like to have, you know what we've got to do? We've got to respond in such a way that what we're doing will not be an offense to them. Okay? So if I'm in this situation with this person, or if we're in this situation with this family, I need to be mindful that I want to try to have some influence in that person's life or that family's life or whatever it may be. But as I find myself in this situation where I want to have some influence, I may be aware of the fact that there are certain things that if I do those things, I will be an offense to them. I will be a stumbling block to them. I will serve as an impediment to them in their walk with God or in them coming to know God. And so it's in those moments, here's what I've got to know how to do. I've got to know how to respond. Listen, please. I've got to know how to respond to those situations. As best I can, I've got to know if this is going to offend them, if this is going to kind of serve as a stumbling block to them, then then I don't need to do that. So, So if this is an offense, kind of like what Paul said, I won't eat meat. If this is an offense, I'm not going to do this with this person I've got to know what to do so as not to limit my influence in this person's life. Now, sometimes I'm going to miss it. Sometimes I'm just going to totally not be aware that I've done something. But you know what stands in our way so many times? I don't want to care about this person I just want them to deal with my response to my reaction, whatever it may be. I want them to just deal with it, but me still be able to have influence. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. I know that some of you have heard this before. I'm not trying to just be repetitive. I'm just saying there are people in my life I would like to be able to influence. But I've got to change who I am. And somebody says, well, you shouldn't have to change who you are for anybody. Tell that to Christ. He said, I don't want to be an offense to these people. Just go pay the tax. 
I'm just saying for myself, I can sure get selfish sometimes. And just say, I don't care what they think. I don't care how they feel. I don't care what their thoughts are. I don't care what their opinions are. I'm just going to be me. And we're just going to be us. And if they don't like it, they can lump it. And then I wonder why I don't have influence in their lives. It's kind of like knowing I'm giving the wrong response in a situation, but I don't care. Am I out on a limb all by myself on this one? I'm just saying there are definitely times in which we've got to take a stand and we've got to declare the truth. And and if it offends, it offends. And if it upsets, it upsets. But there are times we need to not be so worried about our rights and our positions and our authorities to where we are willing to say this, I'll change who I am so as not to be an offense to this person that I want to have influence on. Somebody says you're being repetitive. I know I'm being repetitive because I'm trying to get us to see this. It can manifest itself in so many different ways. Well, that's my time. That's my standard. That's my opinion. That's my approach. And what we've got to be reminded of is this, is who cares? How badly do we want to reach these people? How badly do we want to have influence in these people's lives? Do we want it enough that will not force our will and our rights on them just because we can. I know that we know this. I know that we know this. Christian liberty is a wonderful thing. I mean, aren't you glad that we don't all have to be just alike? I'm glad that I don't have to be just like some of you, and I know some of you are glad you don't have to be just like me. I get it. Christian liberty is a wonderful thing, but Christian liberty was never designed for us to abuse it and disregard where other people may be. We have always got to be mindful of that if we really care the way we suggest or, or declare that we care. Amen. So I'd like to ask you this evening, You ever been in a situation where you knew your response wasn't right, but you didn't really care? You ever been there? You you knew that you weren't really considering that person and where they may be and the offense that you might be to them? Have you ever been there? You have. Because none of us are selfless 100% of the time. Okay? You've been there. But but here's the thing. I've been there as well. We've all been there. Here's the thing. If we're not reminded of this, though, from time to time, and if we're not challenged in this from time to time, here's what we can do. We can get to the point where we justify it. We can justify it. We feel okay about it. And we can can make it all sound rational in our mind to where, where it's not our fault, it's somebody else's fault, because after all, I've got Christian liberty. Yeah, we do but we don't have Christian liberty to the point that we can abuse it and impose it on others without regard to how it may affect them. 
You've struggled with it in the past, just like I've struggled with it in the past. And I'm here to tell you, because of our sinful, selfish flesh, you know what we'll continue to do? We'll continue to struggle with it. Because I don't want to change for anybody else, and you don't want to change for anybody else. Let's just be honest. We don't want to change. And so here's Peter, and what is Christ saying? Come on, Peter, go ahead. It's not that big a deal. So much, I think so much of what we sometimes make a big deal out of in situations like that is is the fact that we don't want to have to change for anybody. And that does not speak well of us. So think about it. Are there, are there ever those occasions where you could probably have more influence, but because you didn't want to change who you were, you failed to have the influence you could have? I know I failed. I know it's a struggle. Again, I don't think I'm alone. Some of you have let me know tonight that I'm not alone, but I think all of us are in that same boat from time to time. It's something that we need to consider on a regular basis. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to take to heart these words that you spoke to Peter. Lord, I think so many times we are not worried about whether or not we're an offense, and we're not worried about what somebody else may be thinking. We're only worried about our agenda, our position, our rights, whatever it may be. And Lord, so many times we respond in a manner in which we should not, and a lot of times we simply don't care. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that that's wrong, that the spirit is wrong, the attitude is wrong. And we really need to correct it if that's something we struggle with. I pray that you'd bless the invitation tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.